welcome to our first episode of Year Enders this year. This year, we are going to be doing this in an audio discussion format. Let me tell you why that's important. If you've been around long enough, you'd know that every year we do something a little bit different at the Ken. Since 2016, we've talked about why we tell the stories we do, what stood out for us, what inspires us. We've even done some cool experiments on how our yearly raps read on the page. Uh, but this year, the Ken went into doing audio and it's something that we've done extensively this year. We started our first podcast as well. So this was the year for us to talk about, you know, the things we do in the audio format. So you will be hearing from us literally for the next three days uh, on subjects spanning green tech, ed tech, fintech. And today, of course, you'll be hearing about IPOs. I'm your host, Durga. I edit copy at the Ken. And let me tell you something. I have read so many stories over this year across India and Southeast Asia at this company that talk about exits, IPOs, the works. I'm sure you've read them too, right? No, really, when we started out in 2021, there was some obvious, yeah, that's definitely going to be an exit sort of exits. But what happened in 2021 was really different. The big newsworthy exits were not these companies. Of course, they also had their exits. But the big stories, you know, you think of the Nikas and Bukala Park in Indonesia. These were not the stories that we were expecting to read this year. So that's what I want to get into today. And for that, uh, don't hear it from me, please. Hear it from our in-house experts. We have Kay here. She's our co-editor at the Ken Southeast Asia. She joins us from Kuala Lumpur. She covers investment activities across the region. She's written extensively about this thing called SPACs, which of course we're going to be getting into today. We also have Sita, who heads our Bombay Bureau in India. He joins us from there. His areas of expertise are also like retail, e-commerce, public markets. I think uh, I think I'm definitely the least of the audio experts here. I can see the two faces on camera, and they seem way more confident than me, guys. Let me tell you that. Kay is like fully tuned in. She's got her headgear on. She's got this massive mic in front of her. Kay, what's up? Like, have you been podcasting for years? No, no, no. I tried. I tried to record one session, but then didn't really get to release it. So yeah, you know, stay tuned for another 12 months or so. Maybe I'll release it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't look at Kay. Yeah, yeah man. The, like... She's the most podcaster looking. Of the three of us, you know. Yeah, let me let me just sort of paint a picture of this, right? Because our listeners need to know what I'm looking at. Like we are seeing this person with like huge headphones, with a massive mic in front of her face. And she says that she's never podcasted before. I don't really buy that. I don't know about you. Sita, on the other hand, is like super chill, sitting in this very airy room with his earphones. And he's just like, I don't need any of this stuff. Yeah, I wish I were a pro at this, you know. Wait a second, no. you've done a few episodes on unofficial sources our podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, I'm not I'm not very comfortable. Hope that doesn't come across, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Um so yeah, anyway guys, let's get started. Uh we have a few things that I really thought we should touch upon. Of course, this has been a strange year. I mean, I'm sure you guys agree, right? This is not a usual year in terms of what an exit was supposed to be or imagined to be before we went into 2021. Like, see, think of 2020 and, of course, pandemic aside, and I, I can't believe I'm saying pandemic aside in any conversation. But when you look at what an IPO was supposed to be traditionally, 
that was very different from what it has come to be now. Right, Sita? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, tech IPOs were not, you know, all that common before 2021. You know, we didn't have too many tech IPOs in the country. And uh, what actually happened, you know, was that at the start of the year, everyone thought, you know, Flipkart was going to be the first big tech IPO, right? But that didn't quite happen. You know, it was supposed to be the first celebrated startup from India to go public. And not even in India, right? It was supposed to happen in Singapore or the US. That's what everyone thought. And then you had, you know, Zomato, which is a, you know, food delivery company, which went public. Uh, And then right after that, you had Policy Bazaar, an insurance, uh, online insurance aggregator, and then Nike, a fashion e-commerce company, right? So all in the span of what, four months? They just didn't list, right? I mean, it was not just about these companies going public. These IPOs were, I mean, they they had a really overwhelming response, right, from the market. I mean, these IPOs were oversubscribed by anywhere between 17 times and 82 times, right? And Zomato listed at a 50% premium to its issue price and Nike listed even higher, 80% higher than its issue price. So all of a sudden, India was a great place for startups, unicorns to list. Yeah, so that was what happened in India. But in Southeast Asia, it was, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say a whole other story, but there was like a whole other different kind of IPOs happening, especially with SPAC listings. Um, it's not exactly an IPO, but I think Kay would be able to tell you better because she's definitely covered this extensively. So, Kay. To put it very simply, SPAC arrived in Southeast Asia like probably late 2020, right? And how they work is usually, you know, for example, I, as a SPAC owner, just go ahead and put up a blank check company which has no business at all and bring it public in a stock exchange. Say, for example, NASDAQ in the US, right? And then from there, I get like, you know, a span of say 18 to 24 months to look for an actual business that, you know, have a lot of stuff going on, take it over, merge with it. And then through that, that actual business, say, for example, Grab, Mm. gets to become a public company. So it's, if you think of it, it's a little bit of, you know, a reverse listing. I may have oversimplified it, but yes. <laughs> no, we need the oversimplification. I just wanted one clarification. So is it always an international listing if it's a SPAC? Right. Not necessarily. So, you know, like if the local stock exchange actually permits, you know, SPACs to be listed on itself. So it can happen in your own country, in the own market. But most of people opted for um, to go public via SPACs in the US because it's a, in the US, it's an entirely different scene, right? The markets there are very deep. And then you have a huge bunch of retail investors who are, you know, just waiting to invest in tech stocks. So tech stocks generally fare better in the US compared to, say, a listing on, you know, the Malaysian Stock Exchange or, you know, like the Thailand Stock Exchange. We will get to that in a bit because that's something I really want to discuss. But I just want you to touch upon how SPACs are working out in American companies, with American companies, as opposed to how they are working out in Southeast Asia and what kind of opportunity they bring to both sets. Because as far as I know, it's not that exciting a proposition anymore in the US, right? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I think the craze was around late last year and early this year. So in in March, around March and April, the regulators have started to clamp down a little bit because they realize that, you know, 
this kind of listing method actually could pose a huge potential for companies to to mislead retail investors. Because the thing with SPACs is that it allows unprofitable companies to actually go public this way. And retail investors could be, you know, your mom and pops retail investors. They, they may not have the kind of deep understanding about how the financial figures work or, you know, future projections work. So they might get sucked into all of this SPAC craze and, you know, lose their savings to it. So the regulators have started to be very strict about who could use this method to list. And as a result, you know, the craze has died down a little bit. But it seems that a lot of Southeast Asian companies are still opting for that. Probably wouldn't say a lot, but at least um, quite a few candidates have opted for it. The one being, you know, Grab, which is a ride-hailing company. If you are in Southeast Asia, you have definitely heard of them. You may have even taken one of their rides or, you know, have ordered food from them. So Grab made the record by being made the largest SPAC merger in history. So, you know, it merged with this blank check company called Ultimator Growth Corporation. And the deal is valued at $40 billion, four zero. Okay, I'm just going to take a minute there <laughs> to record the $40 billion. Um, That's a huge one. And interesting that, you know, given how SPACs were considered as something that, you know, like a smaller company would probably piggyback on, right, traditionally. And from that, we've come to grab doing like a $40 billion IPO. Um, but okay, so... I just wanted to touch upon how all of these are also still small or big, all tech companies. So what's going on there? I, I just wanted to see, because even in India, based on what we've discussed, these are all tech companies we're looking at, right? Aren't both these regions kind of sort of new to so many tech listings? Uh, I wonder if they've had to make any changes, adjustments, policy-wise. I mean, Kay, you kind of touched upon it for a second there, but um, if Sita, you could take us through that. Well, undoubtedly, you know, uh, India is, you know, is, is definitely new to uh, tech IPOs, you know, uh, and that's because, you know, this is a this is a market where public companies are expected to be profitable, right? Uh, that's a metric that investors are obsessed with, right? When when Zomato or Policy Bazaar uh, file their uh, IPO prospectus, there were questions about, uh, you know, their potential valuation. Uh, and and whether these companies are worth this much when they're actually loss making, but you know now that we've seen so many of these companies go public, you know investors seem to be getting used to how these companies work and how revenue growth and and market share are more important um, than turning a profit. Yeah, and that's so not traditional, right? Like this is so very different from, like I said, when we were going into this year, we were like, oh, what would a company be looking at? What sort of companies? We have Grab, we have Flipkart in India, we have companies that everyone knows that this is going to be, you know, IPOing in a very traditional way because their revenues are in a better place. And, you know, profitability is not um, a point of concern as such. But then you now have like a, whole laundry list of companies that are exiting and that, you know, show, show no signs of profitability. So uh, it's also true in Southeast Asia, right? Okay. So what's going on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's highly likely why Grab opted the SPAC path, right? Instead of doing a traditional IPO, because a traditional IPO would mean that they would have to do the whole, you know, being on the road, pitching to investors, you know, and there's just a lot of work involved and a lot of time involved as well. So I, 
SPAC merger is definitely something that's easier for unprofitable companies like theirs. But I think one thing, one of one important thing that that came out of this SPAC phenomenon is that, you know, it actually sort of herded the local bosses to actually start to think about how can they capture all these tech listings. Yeah, there may be unprofitable companies, right? But, you know, it's still huge business for stock exchanges. And we have already seen, you know, how the Indonesia Stock Exchange has been trying to capitalize on this trend by actually amending some of their listing rules to allow non-profitable companies like Bukalapak to actually list on the stock exchange. And as a result, obviously the IPO was very well received because it has raised, you know, 1.5 billion US in that IPO alone. And it's probably the biggest of IDX history. Exactly. It's IDX, right? And that's that's the country with Indonesia has like a huge retail investor population, right? Yep. Yeah, so Bukala Park especially is such an interesting exit, right? We've just talked about massive, massive exits. But Bukala Park, 1.5 billion is a huge number for, for a company like that. Um, it's it's an e-commerce company. It's not a player that was going to be like the IPO this year, right? Especially for IDX, which is not a NASDAQ, which is not a, you know, an exchange in the US. So this is, this is, and this is because, largely because, as we've discussed, I think, because of the whole retail investor boom and how, you know, um, this has made exchanges realize that they need to reassess their policies, their frameworks, as we've discussed. And also because of the whole low profitability and, you know, how that, that, that it's okay for low profitable companies to actually IPO, right? So I, this is a relationship I want to understand. This low profitability equals to more IPO. Why are investors buying into this model again? Oh, yes, Adhaga. You know, um, you know, lack of profits, as I mentioned earlier, is no longer a deal breaker. Okay, you can be a loss-making company, but if you're a market leader, uh, like Zomato, and you know, Zomato is just one of two large players in that market, right? It's a booming market, food delivery. So it doesn't matter, right? If you're not making money, so investors are okay with it, right? And it's not just investors, you know, in India, even, you know, stock market analysts, you know, you know, used to uh, look at companies through the prism of profitability, right? Uh, so this is a lot of readjusting even for them, you know, so they sort of trying to get a better handle on how to analyze these companies. Uh, and one of the other things is, you know, as more and more uh, tech companies list, you know, it becomes a lot easier uh, to, to find companies uh, in the same space. Uh, uh, you know, this is important because you can't you can't uh, figure out if a particular stock is expensive or not if you don't have a similar company that you can sort of compare it with, right? So you need benchmarks, you know. Till now, India didn't have those benchmarks for tech companies, right? You could find a lone internet company being listed, but you couldn't quite figure out if it was too expensive or not, right? So, so, so that is the, that's the, that's the, uh, that's one of the, uh, you know, good things to come out of this. Uh, but what we have to remember is that the craze around IPOs, you know, has sort of died down a bit. Uh, one could say the tide turned with the IPO uh, of, of Paytm, which is a fintech company, uh, which is actually the, uh, you know, the largest IPO India has ever seen. Invest investors were not really, you know, uh, super bullish on the company, right? Uh, as they had been, you know, on, on Zomato or Nika. And this sort of, you know, jolted startups a bit, right? So after Paytm listed at a 20% discount to its issue price, one of its rivals, you know, Mobiquick, which is a which is also a payment uh, startup, 
decided to postpone its IPO, right? So, and then you have worries about, you know, inflation and the new COVID variant. So, in general, you know, the IPO market is not what it was even uh, a couple of months ago, right? So, it would be interesting to see, you know, startups planning to list in 2022, you know, go about, I mean, how they go about uh, their listings, right? You have delivery, which is a which is a logistics startup, which has already filed its uh, IPO prospectus. And then you have Ola, it's a ride-hailing company, right? So these are among the startups which plan to go public in 2022. Yeah, and again, 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 tech companies, right? What's going on? No, but it's interesting because you're saying that it's kind of the excitement is ebbing and flowing and all of this in the span of one year. I mean, this is some next level uh, market volatility also, if you if you think about it, like over a span of one year, we've gone from, oh, let's all just, you know, go and exit. <laughs> and let's now let's hold back because one company has not exited in time. And you know that it's such a it's such an interesting time if you think about it. And 2022 definitely. Um, I would say, would bring in more of this, more of this uncertainty, volatility, while also, like you said, creating new paths, uh, charting new, new courses for companies to exit because they've already got another company in their space that has exited, right? I, I think that's that's a, such an interesting point. Um, what Also in SEA, I would say that uh, there is an IPO trend that's going to continue, right, in uh, SEA. I mean, I don't know if it's at the same pace, like you said, it's slowing down in India. I don't think that's quite happening in Southeast Asia right now, right, Kate? Yeah, yeah. I think Southeast Asia is is at a is at an inflection point, you know, where all these companies that, that have been started, you know, around 2010 or, you know, 2011 and 2012 are beginning to ex- seriously explore exit options and one of the obvious choice is you know IPO right so I, I do think that the arrival of specs have been sort of sped speed things up a little bit for them because it is it just opened up a new avenue for them to go public right and it's way easier than a traditional IPO process so I do think the IPO trend will continue in 2022. So, and especially now that people have seen how Grab has done it, so there there will be a few to watch out for the next few years. Um, and as and coincidentally, a few of them have also opted to list via SPAC mergers, right? So, one is you know property classified site Property Guru, which we have written about a few times, right? Who actually tried the traditional IPO process and couldn't make it, right? They, they tried to list on the Australian Stock Exchange, but they pulled out. And then they are now trying with, you know, a SPAC. And then obviously we have BNPL company Finacell, which is based in Singapore, but their main business is in Indonesia and recently expanded to Vietnam. And I think one of the most anticipated ones for, for next year would be um, Gojek. So Gojek has already merged with Indonesian e-commerce firm Tokopedia and they are now known as um, Goto. So Goto will is likely to list early next year. So we'll keep an eye out on that. So yeah, and I think that there also there are also a few late stage companies that are said to be exploring IPOs, right? So those are the obvious obvious candidates that would that we will see soon, you know, hitting the public markets like Malaysia's used car marketplace, Carsum, Singapore's consumer marketplace, Carousel, and obviously we have, you know, Indonesia's uh, online traveling agent, Traveloka. 
Yeah, and that's, again, more tech listings in Southeast Asia. Um, But also, you said that these are late-stage players who are considering uh, exiting. Is that that similar in India? Do we have more late-stage companies now that, again, people are moving towards, say, a more traditional model of exiting? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, 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 not quite. I mean, there are companies which are not very old, you know, which also want to go public. But um, the interesting thing is, you know, despite all the talk about uh, tech IPOs, what we have to remember is, you know, the the, the biggest IPO in 2022 is not going to be that of a tech company. Right? Um, the one, the, the IPO that everyone is sort of, uh, you know, waiting for uh, is from LIC, you know. Life Insurance Corporation of India. It's a it's a it's a state owned giant, you know, which is you know the largest um, life insurance company and also the largest uh, you know uh, institutional investor in in Indian listed companies, right? And uh, generations old. Right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, we yeah. every every household in India has multiple <laughs> LIC policies, right? I mean, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and it's planning what could be a thirteen billion dollar IPO. You know, we wrote about it uh, earlier this year. So to put that in context, it's more than five times the size of the PTM IPO. You know, so 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 that's why it's it's really really important. If the LIC IPO bombs, then it'll just make things really bad for listings as a whole, right? On the other hand, uh, if it works, right, I mean, you know, the, there are worries that, you know, the LIC IPO will just suck out a lot of the liquidity from the system, right? After all, there's only so much money to go around. So if 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 LIC has a $13 billion IPO, then what happens to all the other IPOs, you know, tech or non-tech, right, that, that come after LIC? Are investors, you know, going to be in a position to subscribe to those IPOs? Yeah, that concern is very much there. But yeah, $13 mm-hmm. billion, right? Yeah, huge. Again, huge, massive. And investors, speaking of investors, I mean, I think this is, if anything, this year has taught us this is the year of the retail investor, right? Um, I mean, it's interesting how to see companies are, while they're getting more traditional in terms of, you know, looking at the market and assessing what to do, the retail investor holds a lot of power now, right? (laughs) At some level. Um, So, I mean, I think with that, with the coming of this no-name retail investor and, uh, you know, market fluctuating like nobody's business, uh, more regulation is also to be expected. But as we can see, more IPOs too. So that's all from us today, guys. Uh, You can check out more of these discussions coming up over the next three days. You will not be disappointed, as I've said before. So do come back. Thank you so much, Sita. Thank you so much, Kay. Have a nice day. Have a nice year. Happy New Year. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Don't party too hard. 